Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All it is is a bunch of networks parading out their stars and whoring themselves out trying to get the highest ad dollars possible for a bunch of shows that probably will suck ass, but they're trying to act like they are the greatest shows to ever hit television in history. I mean, forget about The Sopranos. We've got a new version of Uncle Buck starring Mike Epps that's going to be on Friday nights at 9 o'clock. The Stream Police Podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Want something more in-depth than a sarcastic, pretentious, 140-character review of your favorite movie? Read long-form reviews of movies, TV, and music from the distant and recent past at OverdueReview.com. Welcome into the Stream Police Podcast, my dear friend. And I call you my dear friend because I'm probably along with you in your car on your commute, or maybe you've got the entire family gathered around the old uh, iPod like they did back in the 1920s listening to the radio shows, or maybe I'm even in bed with you. I'm Clint Davis, the movies and TV editor at OverdueReview.com, and uh, I'm the host here of the Stream Police Podcast, along with my music editor, Andy Sedlak, who will be throwing in his two cents in just a little bit. Actually, I would call it like three cents because it's, it's valuable. It's valuable knowledge. It's more, it's more valuable than average, I would say. Uh, but on this show, we take a look through the media wasteland, the vast media wasteland, and tell you what things are streaming out there on TV and movies and in music, and uh, what's worth your time and what's kind of uh, worth leaving on the junk heap. What's, what's not worth your time, I guess, is the better way to say it. Let me go ahead and light my uh, stogie up here. I'm sitting in my closet in Cincinnati, Ohio, talking to you, and I always like to get the show started by smoking a little stick. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's let's move right along, friends. And uh, first off, I want to start with an email I got from a new listener here of the Stream Police podcast. Our dear friend, our new friend Kelly, wrote in, and she went back a few episodes. I was kind of impressed because she she was a new listener, but it's like she went way back in the archives, and that's a good thing you can do on this show because we try to keep things mostly evergreen here. We do talk about current things sometimes, but mostly it's evergreen. It's shows that have been on for years or they, they, they premiered years ago and they're still available out there streaming somewhere. So Kelly went back to episode five, where I talked about some of my favorite opening title sequences in TV history, the opening credits, the theme songs. And she said that she was glad that I mentioned True Detective season one's opening as one of my all-time favorites. I do. I think it's one of the best visually. Um, and the music is just absolutely was perfect in uh, in season one. Um, she said, quote, it is by far the greatest opening credits ever, end quote. But then she kind of confused me because she added, 
quote, second to true blood, end quote. So I, is, is True Detective the best, greatest by far opening credit sequence, or is it the greatest second only to true blood? I don't know. I was kind of confused by that. But either way, I think Kelly was saying that both of those opening sequences kick ass, and she would be correct. And Kelly, I have to thank you because you have given me the idea for a new segment here on the Stream Police that I'm going to now do in every episode. It's my pick for this week's favorite TV theme song of all time. When you came in the air And every shadow filled up with doubt. And in keeping with your email, Kelly, we're going to go with the very first installment of this new series with True Blood and the theme song Bad Things by Jace Everett. I don't know who you think you are, but before the night is through, I want to do bad things with you. True Blood on HBO was a show about a bunch of uh, vampires, a community of vampires living um, amongst humans in uh, rural Louisiana, down in the bayou. And this was one of the sexiest and sleaziest shows in TV history. So it totally made sense that the theme song for the show would be among the nastiest sounding tunes I've ever heard recorded. I'm the kind to sit up in his room. Like as soon as that song came on, you knew it was perfect. It was a perfect selection for this uh, for this show to be its opener. Country singer Jace Everett, who is a native of Evansville, Indiana, wrote the song and recorded it back in 2005. He released it as a single, but it didn't do jack on the charts. But then, lo and behold, three years later, that song is chosen as the theme song for True Blood on HBO, and it subsequently became a minor hit for Everett. I don't know what you've done to me, but I know this much is true. I want to do bad things with you. Now, True Blood was not one of my favorite shows ever. My wife loved the show. I watched it with her sometimes. But, I mean, it was it was pretty cheesy. The acting wasn't always great. And vampire stuff just doesn't really do it for me. But the opening titles for True Blood are outstanding and absolutely one of my favorites ever. Um, and it's one of those opening titles that you never skip. You know how sometimes there's a show and y- you watch it, you binge watch it, you watch it all the time. But you never skip the opening titles. And then there are other shows where you skip them every time. You try to fast forward and you're just like, all right, I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again. It's kind of stupid. True Blood's one of those that you would watch every time. Even though the opening was like two minutes long, you just you had to sit through it because the visuals were hypnotic and the music was so good. But the visuals were actually not chosen to be paired with this song originally. They were actually designed to be paired with a song called Rad Times Express. But thankfully, they ended up reverting to bad things and picking that as the theme song. And in 2010, actually, TV Guide readers voted that song as the fifth best opening credit sequence in TV history. Not the song, but the actual opening credit sequence paired with the song. Jay Severett was 33 years old when he cut that song. He's released three albums since True Blood debuted. The show ran for 80 episodes over seven seasons on HBO, ending in 2014. It won a couple Emmys, 
a Golden Globe, and it was nominated for 16 Emmys during its run. True Blood was created by Alan Ball, who created the HBO show Six Feet Under, and won an Oscar for writing American Beauty. So there's a little info for you. And that is my favorite TV theme song of all time for this week. True Blood's Bad Things by Jay Severin. I want to do real bad things with you. You want to be like Kelly, you can write me at theclintdavis at gmail.com, or you can just tweet at Mr. Clint Davis, um, or if you have stuff for Andy, he'll give out his info as well. But um, you can be like her and, and suggest something or just write me up, and you never know. Maybe it'll inspire a new segment here on the show. So I owe you big time, Kelly. Uh, this, this stogie's for you. All right, let's get into some meat here on the Stream Police podcast because, I mean, that's that's what we're best at after all. Um, I told you last week that I was going to talk a little bit about a Netflix series that I've been watching, um, and it is coming back for its second season here soon. I'm talking about Bloodline, uh, which now is on Netflix. Season 1 is uh, fully available for you. Season 2 will begin streaming on May 27th. And I don't want to do an exhaustive show review like I usually do because I have not finished the first season of the show. And as you know, if you listen to this show a long time, I don't like to talk about shows until I've seen full seasons really like exhaustively because a show can tank in the middle of a season um, and it can tank in the middle of a run. But I think season by season is how you have to review series. I think episode by episode is just it's too you can't really fairly review a show that way. But I do want to talk about the pilot episode of Bloodline, which I think is one of the best pilots I've seen in a long time. And this kind of ties in with True Blood because Bloodline also has a fantastic opening title sequence that I like to watch every time I watch the show. It's got just this gloomy song, this beautiful weather that turns into darkness real quick. And it's, it's just it's picturesque, man. It's really nice to see on an HDTV. And really all of Bloodline is like a feast for the eyes to watch because this show is set in the gorgeous Florida Keys where we follow a tight-knit family named the Rayburns whose parents run a popular tourist resort on the small island in the Keys. It's very much one of those small-town kind of shows. Everyone knows them. Everyone knows everybody. Everyone's in everyone's business. And sometimes that's not such a good thing here when characters are trying to keep secrets as they are on this show. Everything is going smoothly for this family until their estranged son, Danny, who's the black sheep of the family, comes back to the island after being away for a long time. Danny is the oldest of four grown siblings, and he's played with subtlety and this deep-seated heartache that's present in every scene by Australian actor Ben Mendelsohn. Mendelsohn was nominated for an Emmy for his performance for season one of Bloodline, and it was well-deserved because he is fantastic. Um, I'm about seven episodes into the first season. I am just blown away by Ben Mendelsohn. He's not a guy that I was really familiar with. Apparently, he was in The Dark Knight Rises, uh, the one with Bane, and uh, he was he played some kind of like minor antagonist who ends up getting killed by Bane. I don't really remember him, but he was also in Animal Kingdom, which is one of those movies I've wanted to see for a long time, just have not gotten around to yet. But Ben Mendelsohn's fantastic, well-deserving his Emmy nomination for season one of Bloodline. This show, if you like acting, if you love acting, if you're one of those people who just likes to watch actors perform their craft, you just like to watch them interact with each other, play off of one another. This is a show you will love because it's an actor's show all the way. It's not one of those action-packed shows. The storyline does, you know, kind of 
plot along pretty slowly, but it's going to an interesting place, we know, uh, because at the end of the first episode, kind of the ending of the season, I guess, is revealed to us, so we're, we're climbing to that point. Um, so it definitely keeps you hooked, but it's not one of those shows that I think you're going to want to binge. Like, you're not going to want to watch episode after episode. You want to take a breather between them because there's a lot of drama here and there's a lot of family tension, and sometimes it's a little hard to... Uh, to take, and you're getting really pissed off at some of these characters for the choices that they're making. But like I said, it's an actor's show all the way. The entire cast is ridiculously good, my friend. And it's amazing to me that they were able to get all of these actors for so little money because I read an interview with Kyle Chandler, who is really the star of the show, um, about this show. And, and he doesn't do a lot of acting, and he certainly wasn't going to do any more TV after Friday Night Lights because he wants to spend time with his family. Um, and it's hard to do a TV show when you got 24 episodes a season, and it's just like really there's not much of an off season when you're doing like a network TV show. So he agreed to do this show because it's got short, uh, it's a short run of episodes. I think it's 12 or 13 episodes a season. Um, they could shoot them all pretty quickly. Uh, the location where they shot the episodes is close to where he lives anyways, so it wasn't a whole lot of travel involved. But they got all, and he said he didn't make, he's not making very much money on it, even though he's the star of it. So I'm just amazed that they were able to get these actors, and I think it speaks to the writing on the show. So like I said, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, he's the top build star. He plays the family's straight arrow son who happens to be the sheriff on the island. And Chandler continues to be really one of the most dependable actors I feel like working today. Dad cut Danny out. Yeah. And when did this happen? Years ago. You just let Dad do this? I'm his lawyer. My job is to carry out his wishes. Anyway, Mom, not happy about it. She wants us to include Danny. Wait a minute, can she do that? Dad already decided. All right, you know what? If you want to, do as you like. But if you cut Danny out, just, just cut me out too. The guy is just so good at balancing uh, strength, intimidation sometimes, and uh, really a trustworthiness as well that is key in a role like this. You have to you have to trust him. You have to look at him and think he is a guy that you can depend on and a guy that uh, is worth rooting for because at the end of the day you feel like you know he, you can trust him. You can trust this guy based on the way he looks, based on the way he carries himself. And I think that's one thing that Kyle Chandler does uh, incredibly, and he's been doing that for years now. The rest of the cast of Bloodline includes Oscar winner Sissy Spacek as the mother of the family, Sam Shepard, one of my absolute idols in all of, uh, of acting and, and playwriting. He plays the father of the family. Linda Cardellini from uh, Freaks and Geeks and Mad Men is the sister uh, in the family. And two-time Tony Award-winning Broadway veteran Norbert Leo Butts plays the family's youngest and most immature son. I mean, these actors, this this principal cast is absolutely incredible. And like I said, I cannot believe that they got them. I think it speaks to this material because they must have read that pilot is so good. I can imagine all these great actors reading it and being like, oh, yeah, I want to do this show. I don't care. I don't care if I'm working for scale or what. I got to do this thing because this is real. This is really good stuff. And I'm telling you, it's a blast watching these actors do scenes together. This show is a family drama. So if you like family dramas, I always mention Six Feet Under when I talk about family dramas. Um, it, it's it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of family tension that's going on. But there's a little bit more of a crime and mystery element to this show than there was to that series, which really was just a true family drama. Um, and the pilot for this show 
what I was so impressed with, you see a lot of pilots, a lot of first episodes of TV shows. And for good reason, a lot of sometimes they're misguided or they don't really know where they're they, they don't know what the ending goal is going to be. The characters aren't fully fleshed out yet. I mean, we've got a general idea that's usually good enough to to carry us through and get us excited about things to come. But it doesn't feel like pilots are never like the best episodes of a show. And that's a pretty good thing. But for Bloodline, I feel like this pilot was so damn good. It was so fully realized that I almost thought it could have been a great movie in itself. Like if they stretched out another half hour onto that pilot um, or maybe another hour onto that pilot, I think they could have told I think it could have made it into a movie. And this would have been like an Oscar nominated film uh, here. That's how good this pilot is. There's just a lot of meat there, a lot of character development already. And still it leaves a lot of mystery for what's going to come. In the show, this is the kind of show where everybody seems perfect on the surface, but as little cracks start showing up in the family, you realize that there are some very dark secrets that we need to uncover. And Bloodline is not at all a feel-good show, so if you're looking for that, don't expect it. Uh, but the pilot just blew me away. The pilot episode, uh, they had the tone, the direction of the show nailed down immediately, and I think that's a big-time credit to Netflix. Because they allow full seasons to be produced, like, on a whim. I mean, seriously, you've, you've never seen Netflix cancel shows for, and because they're really trying to, I think, tell stories. They're trying to let filmmakers and, and television showrunners tell full stories, which is what's making Netflix the hot destination for really the best writers coming up in the business now or veteran writers, um, as is the case with this show, which I'll tell you about the writers here in a second. Um but it's because they, they'll let you make a, a whole series, a whole season, I should say, on a whim. And you're not likely to get canceled over there. So you may not make a ton of money. You may not make the money you're going to make going to NBC, even going to HBO. But you don't make that much money at HBO either from everything I've always heard. Uh, but, you know, you're not going to make network money. But you're going to get to tell a story that's meaningful and you're going to get to tell it through because they allow their showrunners to do that. So it's a credit to Netflix for being able to have this show be so fully realized right out of the box uh, because you're not worried about you know ratings returns and, and, and advertising dollars and things like that if you're a show producer going to Netflix. It's, it's really a beautiful thing, and I respect a lot what they're doing there. The pilot's ending, the ending of this pilot, blew me away, like literally made me gasp, and it immediately made me want to watch the rest of the series. So it's got a hell of a hook on it, and I recommend if you never watched Bloodline, Give it a spin real quick, and if you don't if you don't feel the same way about that pilot as I did, then you know don't waste your time with the rest of the show. But I have a feeling when you watch it, you'll be feeling the same way I did. Um, that is, if you love acting, if you like these kind of family dramas, family dynamics, and you just like to watch these adult actors working with one another. This is not kids stuff. This is grown up stuff, and it's just so well done. It's so it's it's fantastic to watch these veterans working with each other. So uh, I, I totally recommend you give at least the pilot of Bloodline a spin um, and let me know what you think about it. Young man goes out looking for the diamond in the sea Old man rolls, I told you I'd tell you about the writers of the show, the creators of the show. Bloodline was created by the guys who did damages for FX, 
one of whom was a writer and producer of The Sopranos during seasons two and three of that show, which in my opinion are arguably the best two seasons of the best TV show in TV history. So that's pretty impressive. When you got seasons two and three of The Sopranos on your resume, I'd say pretty much any door in the TV world is going to be open for you uh, for the rest of eternity. Season two of Bloodline does start streaming on May 27th. Season one is now available for you to binge watch. All right, I'm going to toss things over to Andy Sedlak, our music editor. When I come back after he's done, I'm going to talk about some TV cancellations and renewals, some surprises from the upfronts that just happened this week. But take it away, Andy. Hello. God, it's good to be with you. My name is Andy Sedlak. I am the uh, music editor over at OverdueReview.com. The big record out right now is Ariana Grande's uh, new record. It's called Beautiful Woman. No, it's a God. It's a Freudian slip. It's called Dangerous. It's called Dangerous Woman, and uh, um, it was. It was a Freudian slip. My point is, I just didn't realize what an event this was. Her album, Dangerous Woman, comes out tomorrow. Her new album, Dangerous Woman, dropping today. I have been waiting for this day since I popped out of that womb. I came out screaming 15 years till Dangerous Woman, and here we are. Dangerous Woman was released on the 20th of May. That day, every time I got on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I saw a post from Rolling Stone about Ariana Grande. This is Rolling Stone. Uh, She's never even been on the cover of Rolling Stone, to my knowledge, though my guess is that uh, it's coming they had a story about the album, of course. Then they wanted, they had a fan vote. What's her best song? Then they had these weird countdowns, like the seven uh, on-screen cameos from Ariana Grande in movies. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a big spoof that went viral about a Snapchat filter. I, I guess I guess I missed it when Ariana Grande became a national treasure. Her whole album is so good. Oh my god. Totally missed it. I knew she was popular. But come on. It was worth the wait. Let's start with the artist. In uh, in in her words, here's how she described the album to Ryan Seacrest. It still sounds like me, but it feels like a more mature, evolved version. There's a right. nice blend of the R&B vibes and a nice blend of pop vibes. Vibes. Lots of vibes. Uh, could you be more specific, Ariana? I worked with Max Martin a lot, and I worked with Tommy Brown a lot, and Victoria Bonet, Savin. I worked with basically two teams. Yeah. I did um, half of it with Max and Savin and Ilya and all those amazing guys, guys over there. So yeah. I have the like a music crush ever. on Max. And that's really what I wanted to get at. Now, it's a notion that took some time for me to get used to, uh, writing songs in teams or units uh, or you know, squads, whatever, because for years, you know, I was used to looking at the back of an album cover and seeing uh, Words and Music by Bruce Springsteen, Words and Music by Billy Joel, uh, Words and Music by Warren Zevon or Tom Waits or Jackson Brown. Those are the guys who I looked up to the most and still do. But that's not the way things are necessarily done on big-budget pop albums not in 2016 and probably not in 2006 or 1996 songs are a lot of times written in committee 
then perhaps an artist will put a spin or final approval on it. It depends on the level of success of the artist. We're talking about Ariana Grande, so let's look at the title song on her new album, Dangerous Woman. I thought this was interesting. That song is credited to three writers. Grande, not among them. But that's the fewest number of songwriters credited to a single track on that new album. Many tracks credit four, five, six different writers. Again, these are small teams constructing these songs the only reason i bring that up is because you can kind of sense that it feels like a team effort and not necessarily the output of one person to your ears if that makes sense Uh, ariana grande does get a few songwriting credits it's just a different way of working i i think is what i keep coming back to So when artists thank these long lists of people after accepting a Grammy or something, I mean, it's true. Many of them are actually working with a shitload of people to get this album done. Here's one thing that I found interesting. You may remember a single from Ariana Grande that was called Focus. It was a hit. I think it peaked inside the top ten. I can tell you're curious. It's written on your lips. Okay, that song, not on the album. Evidently, uh, the artist and her team felt the song better serve as like a, a transition piece from the last album to the new album. It's interesting that artists are dropping singles not necessarily to promote a new record all the time, but rather to hold fans over into, until a full-length, fully realized record is released. At least in Ariana Grande's case, that technique appeared to be effective. Uh, Dangerous Woman, the album, credits seven different producers. Again, we talk about these these teams involved on the record. Uh, it's not It's not like rock. When... A producer basically polices a session and spurs creativity within the band or or the uh, the solo artist. This is more like a production, right? A movie or a play. There's a cast, an actual cast behind some albums. So again, what you're hearing, and it should be acknowledged, is the product of uh, tireless efforts from many people. Doesn't make it right or wrong. Just seems to run against what I would think would be more natural. The old thing about too many cooks in the kitchen. But for what I for what it's worth, I do like what I've heard from Ariana Grande's new album. I just didn't realize that she's such a national treasure. Hey, you know who else has a new album out? Bob Dylan.
one you hear there in Like a Rolling Stone is long gone. The new album is called Fallen Angels. Dylan is now on a kick growling through standards uh, made famous by like velvet voice titans. Frank Sinatra comes to mind. And say what you want about Dylan's voice. Uh, it ain't velvety, even though it's my favorite voice in rock. Uh, and go figure, by the way, that the greatest songwriter alive suddenly falls head over heels in love with covering songs. He has done this before. He released a pair of cover albums in the early 90s. The Keeper was a version of an, of an old song called Blood in My Eyes. Woke up this morning Feeling blue Seen a good-looking girl Can I make love with you? Hey, hey, baby, God Blood in my eyes great video too i think it's about a prostitute uh i don't know it's just what i've read bob dylan is a um is a genius and geniuses don't always mesh with the rest of society i think it's hard for bob dylan to relate to people and vice versa i saw kanye west on ellen last week and Really thought the same thing. The first part of Kanye's interview with Ellen was just like a number of Bob Dylan interviews that I've seen. They're awkward, borderline painful. Uh, and you can tell that these artists are uncomfortable. Do you want more children? Maybe. Does Kim want more children? Perhaps. That's not, <laughs> that's not what she said. <laughs> that's she, what she said? Yeah, she doesn't, yeah. She doesn't want more. Okay. But, but you want more? Let's see what happens. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Nothing. <laughs> that was Kanye, obviously. Here's Bob. It's ironic, you know, that the way that people viewed you was just the polar opposite of the way you viewed yourself. Isn't that something? As you probably know, Rolling Stone magazine just named your song, Like a Rolling Stone, the number one song of all time. Twelve of your songs are in their, in their list of the top 500. That must be good to have as, as part of your legacy. Well, maybe this week, but, but you know, the lists, they change names, and, you know, quite frequently, really, I don't really pay much attention to that. But it's a pat on the back, huh? This week it is. The difference between Kanye and Dylan however, is that Kanye eventually overcompensates and gets uh, like diarrhea of the mouth. Dylan just continues to be... Uh, Dylan just continues to keep to himself. But I think if you sat down across from either one of these guys and had a beer, you'd find them hard to relate to. Nobody knows me, and I don't know them. You know? They walk up, they think they know me because I've written some song that happens to... Uh... Uh, bother them in a certain way and they can't get rid of you know in their mind they got nothing to do with me brilliance comes at a price being prolific comes at a price as randy newman said it's lonely at the top and dylan and kanye have each been at the top for a long time you connect the dots that's a question actually that someone asked about the pressure you feel on yourself because things like you know i am god or that sense of you being like you know, this divine power. And they said, does that give you 
does that scare you? Does it freak you out? Because a lot of people wrote in and they said lovely things like, like, you know, his music's got me through the hardest time. Like, he stopped me from committing suicide. He stopped me from fucking up my life. But you must feel a sense of, like, pressure from that when people treat you like you are this kind of, like, god to them. Yeah. The reason why I made the song I Am A God is so those people that feel less than can turn it up and say it loud and embrace it for themselves that God is inside of all of us. It wasn't about specifically yeah. me. It was about us as a race, mm -hmm. that we are an extension of God, that we all have God inside of us. That's interesting. Are there songs to avoid this time around? Of course there are. These are songs you don't want to be associated with. It's a public service, friends. These are the bombs of the week. First bomb to pass along, uh, watch out for this one. It's nearly inescapable, it was even more so a few weeks ago. A song called Pillow Talk by Zane. So Guy used to be in one direction, now it's edgy talking about sex. It's what he wants us to believe. Doesn't really get there. Next. I'll tell you, this is really bad. It's uh, one call away from Charlie Puth. Charlie Puth, Charlie Puth. It's uh, it, it's it's just freaking boring. Uh, another song um, to stay away from, uh, humble and kind. This is by uh, Tim McGraw. Always stay humble and kind. Go to church cause your mom sister. Visit grandpa every chance that you can. Won't be wasted time. Always stay humble and kind. Tim uh, really does a nice job sounding like your grandmother there. Next. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting, fishing, and loving every day. How simple. God bless it. How simple. Simple and, and, and cheesy and cliched can you get? And those are the bombs of the week. Now, uh, here are songs that you're going to want to get familiar with. You're going to want to get to know them. Uh, I think, again, I told you this last week, these are songs to add to the perfect playlist uh, that we are crafting uh, and the first one up is a song called Cellophane City. This is by Steve Forbert. Because it's Cellophane City. And everyone knows. There's no secret, nothing. And that's how it goes. Cellophane City. Yes, and try as you may.
second. This is by Fallout Boy. Uh, it's a song that, frankly, I've really gotten into. I've, I hadn't never really been into Fallout Boy, but I love this song. It's a lot of fun. It was one of I named this song for overdue review one of the best of the year last year. The song itself is called Fourth of July. All right, I'm going to give you a song here by uh, uh, Chris Stapleton. This is Daddy Doesn't Pray Anymore. There was a time when we didn't get along Cause I thought I was right and he was wrong Still when I lay down at night I'd hear him get down on Say a little prayer for me Daddy doesn't pray anymore Let me give you one from Joe Walsh, it's Analog Man. Welcome to Driver's Race, I'm watching the park And finally, from Neil Young and Crazy Horse, released back in the early 90s, uh, this is the eloquently titled Piece of Crap. That's it, guys. Behave yourselves. I'll see you later. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And thank you very much, Mr. Sedlak, as always. 
I'm telling you, man, those five songs, always fun to hear uh, what he's going to have coming because uh, they're so varied. I mean, where else are you going to get to hear Fallout Boy and Steve Forbert hanging out with Chris Stapleton and Joe Walsh? Not bad at all. And then a little Neil to top it off, which uh, that that tune, by the way, piece of crap. I love that song from uh, Sleeps With Angels. Pretty much everything Neil Young and Crazy Horse were doing in the late 80s into the uh, early to mid-90s is absolute gold to me. That is my favorite run of his entire career. The 70s stuff, it's outstanding. But, man, that late 80s, early 90s stuff is the best Neil Young of all time. So go out and buy every record from there. Sorry, not the music editor, but just had to say that. So thanks again, Andy. Uh, Let me start this second half here by talking about uh, a personal decision that I recently made um, in my work, which will affect us here on the Stream Police podcast. I have decided, my friends... And call me like a call me I don't know a a screaming feminist a raging feminist here, but I've decided to stop using the term actress to describe female actors. I have never liked that term at all. Never never been a fan of it. Even from like the first times I really thought about it, just never liked that term at all. But this week I was writing a story at work in my day job, and I I really realized how much. I just don't like the term actress. I just think it's it's just it just makes you sound lesser like right away, doesn't it? I mean, when you add the ESS on the end of something, I mean, it just makes you sound like you're not as good as the guy who doesn't have the ESS on the end of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong there. It's it's a feminine thing uh, for sure. I mean, it's like the difference between stewardess and uh, whatever the uh, the other version is it is it steward I don't know what the other what the other version is anyways though I just I don't like it it makes you sound like smaller lesser uh, than the other one and it, I don't think we need it because they're all actors at the, at the end of the day I'd love it if the Oscars this is something that I've wanted to I've wanted for a while for the Oscars to stop classifying actors by gender because to me it makes no sense if you've got the best actor. If you had one of the best performances of the year, then why can you only compete against other women um, if you were a woman? Why, if you're a man, can you only compete against other men? It doesn't make sense because they're all good performances. What does gender have anything to do with your acting performance? It has nothing to do with it. It makes no sense to me. The Grammys doesn't do like best rock album by a girl or best rap song by a guy. I mean, they don't do it that way because if they did, it'd be like, why? What What the hell? What's the difference between a rock song by a dude and a rock song by a, by a woman? I mean, what's the difference? So it's the same way for acting. I don't get why women cannot compete with men and vice versa. It just makes no sense to me. I'm going to do my best to stop using that term, actress. I don't like it, never liked it. But if you catch me, call me out on Twitter, at Mr. Clint Davis. I'm happy to... Uh, I'm happy to hear you uh, you ripping me for that. But, yeah, just a you know, personal decision that I made. Not a huge deal for me, but I just I don't like that term. I just think actress makes them sound like they're not as good when we all know that they are. I mean, their paychecks may not reflect it, and that's a whole other thing. But um, actress and actor, I mean, why? They're all actors. We got male actors. We got female actors. They're all actors. Who cares? All right. Let's, and we got transgender actors as well. But at the end of the day, they're male actors and female actors also. All right, let's get to it. TV cancellations and renewals. We had the upfronts in New York this last week, one of my absolute least favorite cringe-inducing weeks in entertainment because all it is is a bunch of networks parading out their stars and whoring themselves out trying to get the highest ad dollars possible for a bunch of shows that probably will suck ass, but they're trying to act like they are the greatest shows to ever hit television in history. I mean, forget about The Sopranos. We've got a new version of Uncle Buck. 
Bucks starring Mike Epps that's going to be on Friday nights at 9 o'clock. Give us your money. Shut up and give us your money. Shut up and take my money. There's just something very icky about upfronts, and uh, I'm glad that it's not one of those things that I've got to go out there and try to cover this because the TV writers that I follow on Twitter who cover these things in person, they just sound like such doofuses when they're out there. and They don't sound like journalists. They sound like they're just fans and, oh, my God, I got to meet Kristen Bell and, oh, my God, I got to meet so-and-so and Les Moonves. And it's like, who gives a shit, man? Just stay at home and watch TV. You don't have to go out and meet these guys. Seriously, I think it's going to cloud your judgment a little bit. Recycled junk starring Lisa Campbell and same old crap featuring teen heartthrob Mark Swenson. All part of the great fall lineup on our networks. Who gives a rat's ass Thursdays? Anyways, off the pedestal here. TV cancellations and renewals. It was kind of a bloodbath this year, especially at some networks. Um, And I just wanted to run down a couple surprises to me of shows that were renewed and shows that were canceled in case you missed some of these. This is not a whole list by any means. Um, but, uh, the, this is, this is a list of some of the highlights, I should say, or lowlights of renewals and cancellations for this upcoming season. Let's talk about, uh, first off, some of the shows that were canceled on ABC. ABC canceled a bunch of shows. They canceled Agent Carter, the Marvel series with Haley Atwell, um, which it was disappointing to hear that Haley Atwell wasn't going to be on TV anymore, but she was given a new series like the same day that Agent Carter was canceled. So, Fear not, my friends, we will still get some Haley Atwell action on television, which is a good thing for me, and we don't have to see her wear those big-ass hats anymore either, I don't think, in her new show. So Agent Carter was taken off. It was a, it was kind of a cheesy show. I watched, the, I watched the first season of it, and I just could never get over kind of how cheesy it was and the disconnect between the Marvel movies and the TV shows in the way they look and in the way they sound and feel and are just... There's a huge gap there, and I feel like that's something that ABC and Marvel needs to look at. Now, the Marvel shows like on Netflix, your Daredevils, your Jessica Joneses, um, are that's not the case with those. Those, I think, are really good-looking shows. Um, and I haven't watched Daredevil, but from what I've heard, it's fantastic. But Jessica Jones, which I reviewed on this series, I loved it, so the first season. But Agent Carter wasn't that great. So it got canceled by ABC after two seasons. Uh, Also canceled by ABC was Castle, which they ended up like rushing to give a finale. That really wasn't the finale they wanted to do, and I think fans were were pretty pissed off about that. But, hey, at least they got a final episode instead of just being taken off in the middle of a cliffhanger. CBS canceled CSI Cyber. Not a surprise to me, but it is surprising that there are not going to be any more CSI shows on TV now. Meanwhile, all three, yes, three, count them, one, two, three, NCIS television shows were renewed by CBS. So they're done with CSI, and they moved on to NCIS, and what's the next acronym-based police procedural television show that's going to be cooking up somewhere? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're the one that's going to be writing it. Who knows? Game of Thrones was also canceled by HBO. Couldn't believe that. Just kidding. Did you have a heart attack, though? It was renewed for a seventh season uh, at HBO, and it will be renewed, I think, uh, as long as it wants to go. So uh, that, that was a, a, a joke, just once again. Just wanted to say that to you. If you heard it and you walked out of the room and maybe went to go grab a knife, Game of Thrones is coming back for season seven. The Good Wife was canceled on CBS. That is not a joke. It got shut down. They had its uh, final episode air just not that long ago. Uh, Fox canceled both of its sitcoms that it was touting so much this year, Grandfathered and The Grinder, the shows with uh, John Stamos and um, who's, who else? Rob Lowe, 
uh, were in those. So you're like good-looking middle-aged men. Those shows are gone, unfortunately, I guess, if you like those guys. Um, And, you know, again, though, these are like cancellations. When you hear networks bring the axe down on a show and then you think back on, like, all the promos about how they were so desperately trying to tell you it's the greatest show of all time, it's the funniest TV show on television right now, and then they just give it the axe? I mean, did you really – did you ever believe in this show? Or was it totally just we didn't get enough ad dollars during uh, during the commercial breaks? And you know that's what it was. They may have believed in a show at one point, but as soon as the money stopped coming in, it's, I'm sorry, I'm giving you the axe. So TV is just, oh, God, it's such a gross business um, at the level of the networks. Uh, Hannibal on NBC was canceled. I talked about that months ago, and I'm still in mourning of the loss of what I considered the best show on network TV. It's gone. It's dead and gone. Nobody's bringing it back. Sucks. Mike and Molly was canceled on CBS after Melissa McCarthy pulled out. The Muppets was canceled on ABC. I know our own Andy Sedlak was enjoying that show. I never got around to watching it, but it was canceled after one season, which I was kind of surprised by. I think the Muppets are a very expensive brand, though, to maintain. Um, and there's a lot of there are a lot of diehard Muppet fans that were not huge fans of what they did with that show, which was trying to make the Muppets like more realistic um, and a little bit maybe more adult than they had ever been. And Rush Hour was canceled on CBS, the reboot of the Jackie Chan. Uh, Chris Tucker film franchise that they did on television uh, that was shut down after one season on CBS. Let's talk about some renewals, a couple surprises and a couple ones that I am so glad to hear. Let me start with a surprise. You know the show American Dad? Uh, Seth MacFarlane created it back on Fox, and it's since been, I don't know when it switched over to TBS, but at some point Fox shut it down and TBS picked it up. That show was renewed for seasons 11 and 12 American Dad, seriously, have you ever watched an episode of that show? I watched like one half episode of it when it first aired, and it was so obnoxious and stupid and just not just not funny. Maybe it's gotten a lot better since then, but it was picked up for two seasons. Season 12, that show will at least run for 12 years. That's crazy. That's more than MASH. I mean, what what is going on in TV? Aquarius was renewed for a second season by NBC. Once again, did you know anyone who watched that show? David Duchovny, I love him. Love Fox Mulder. Californication was all right. But this is the show where he's like hunting down Charles Manson. He plays some kind of CIA or whatever you know, police agent. And uh, yeah, it was renewed for a second season. I, I could not believe it. So they picked up that, but they canceled Hannibal. Suck it, NBC. Baskets, the show with Zach Galifianakis, was picked up for a second season on FX. Once again, did anybody watch that show? I don't think so. The promos were kind of interesting, but mostly too weird for me to even really want to uh, tune in for it. But whatever, the powers that be at FX picked it up for a second season. Now, the powers that be at AMC picked up Better Call Saul for a third season. Thank God for that, my friends. Uh, if that was canceled, I'd probably just quit doing this show and throw myself off a bridge. Uh, Dr. Ken was canceled by air. I'm sorry, was renewed by ABC after uh, for a second season. And I wanted to say canceled because I thought for sure that show was going to be canceled. Again, did anybody watch that? Did you hear anybody talking about Dr. Ken ever? No disrespect to Ken Jong, but it was... It was renewed for a second season. This is expensive stuff. Fox renewed Gotham for a third season. That's one of those shows that I'm watching still every week, but kind of begrudgingly watching at this point. It's just so damn cheesy. But, uh, you know, I do. I love the folklore of, of Gotham City and seeing these Batman characters come to fruition. Uh, Grey's Anatomy was picked up for a 13th 
season by NBC, 13 seasons. Will anyone, my question to you guys about, about Grey's Anatomy, I know it's been a ratings champ for a long time, but will anyone binge watch Grey's Anatomy all the way from season one to season 13 or however long it goes? It'll probably run for 16, 17 seasons. After it's like off the air, will anyone watch that? Like in 20 years from now, will anyone sit down and, and want to watch like 300 episodes of Grey's Anatomy? I mean, seriously, uh, it's I think it's a legitimate question. Or hell, by that point, it might be up to like 400 episodes of that show. Uh, unbelievable. So 13 seasons of Grey's Anatomy are happening. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a show that I haven't heard so many people talking about anymore, but it was renewed for seasons 13 and 14. 14 seasons of this show. Can you believe it? On FX. The Last Man on Earth was picked up for a third season uh, on Fox. Uh, Man in the High Castle, thankfully, was renewed for a second season on Amazon. I've I've, uh, exa- I've reviewed that show exhaustively. It's first season uh, in previous episodes here, if you look back at our archive. Nathan, for you, another show I've reviewed on this uh, series was renewed for a fourth season at Comedy Central. That's a good call by them. Orange is the New Black was renewed not for another season, but for another four seasons. It was renewed through season seven on Netflix. Unbelievable, right? I mean, I, I guess it was a cost-saving measure to just lock in Jinji Cohan for however much money they could pay her without having to uh, keep re-upping every year. But yeah, I've never heard of that. Four seasons. We're going to go ahead and give you four more seasons because only three seasons have aired. Season four is about to come out next month. Um, But yeah, Orange is the New Black will be on at least for seven seasons. That's incredible. That doesn't seem like the kind of show and story that could go for seven seasons, but Hell, I thought last season of that show was the best they've ever done. So I'm uh, I'm all for it as long as that quality stays up. Uh, the Path on Hulu, I know some of you guys are watching that, as I've heard. is uh, That's been renewed for a second season. Schitt's Creek, which is on the Pop Network, used to be the TV Guide Network, has been renewed for a, a third season. That's a show I've always wanted to watch but just have never been able to find it because who the hell can find the Pop Network? But it does have the best name on TV right now, Schitt's Creek, S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S. Gotta love that. Uh, Secrets and Lies, which is a show I reviewed here on the Stream Police uh, and and said that I I thought it was a little bit dumb, a little dim-witted. That was surprisingly renewed for a second season by ABC. They were slashing and burning all these shows, but they renewed Secrets and Lies. I don't know. I'd love to be in the board meetings. Um, The Simpsons was renewed for seasons 27 and 28. Unbelievable. I'm as big a Simpsons fan as you'll find. Sedlak and I both are. But my God. When is when is it going to end? When are they going to when are they going to call it a day? I mean, Dan Castellaneta is going to die of old age before this show is uh, it has finally finished its run. Speaking of long running shows, South Park was renewed by Comedy Central through 2019. So again, we're talking several more seasons all at once uh, of new South Park, which I'm all for. Supergirl was renewed for a second season at CBS. But in a weird move, they're switching networks. They're moving it to the CW, where some of the other like DC-branded shows are currently airing. The Arrow and The Flash and those shows are right now on CW. So Supergirl will be joining her DC Comics friends. So those are some of the renewals and cancellations this year that I was, uh, I was surprised about. Um, True Detective, meanwhile, Season 3 is actually up in the air right now. HBO has said that they would support a third season of the show, but then, on the other hand, the network has listed the show as a completed series in any of its promo materials. So if you watch, like, new episodes of Game of Thrones or Veep, Silicon Valley right now, 
you see that like really cool promo that they've been airing before um, before those shows that it's like a minute long and it just shows some of the great stuff that's on HBO right now. True Detective, when they list it, they list it as the entire series, which is what they put for shows like The Sopranos and Six Feet Under that are off the air now, um, instead of what they usually say is every episode um, of shows like Game of Thrones or Veep that are still on the air right now. So little subtle difference. My wife pointed that out to me when we were watching the promo last week. But True Detective is listed as a completed show after two seasons, but according to HBO, season three is still on the table and could be done. Are you in mourning? Are you sad about any of those cancellations that I added? And are you shocked at any of those renewals or excited about any of those renewals? Uh, write me up at theclintdavis@gmail.com before the next episode and uh, let me know. I'll read your emails at the uh, top of the show uh, on our next episode. So one thing I wanted to bring up as I was talking about cancellations and renewals, if you remember... Last September, way back, episode 11 of the Stream Police podcast, I picked 10 new series premiering in fall 2015 that I thought sounded promising and looked like they could be interesting. So those 10 shows that I picked, I wanted to go back and look at how they fared uh, as far as did they get renewed, did they get canceled, did they find an audience or not. I didn't watch all 10 of the shows because I I couldn't watch a couple of them because I don't have the networks that they're on. But um, I did look up some information about them just to kind of give myself a a score. So let's look at my scorecard from the 10 shows I picked last September as far as 10 new shows I thought looked interesting. First off, Ash vs. the Evil Dead on Stars. That show was renewed for a second season, so I'm going to count that as a win in uh, on, on my scoreboard. That show I did not watch, though, because, again, it was on Stars. I don't have Stars. Couldn't watch it. I wanted to watch it, but I couldn't do it. The Bastard Executioner on FX. This show I watched, didn't love it. I did talk about it on here, how I really enjoyed the two young actors that led the show, and I hope to see them in more things. But I didn't love the show. It was kind of boring and just very, the episodes were too long, and I think it was pretty aimless. Uh, But that show was canceled by FX, so that's a loss on my scoreboard. All right, number three of my picks of 10 promising-looking new shows that aired uh, last fall, Code Black on CBS. Again, I watched this show. I watched almost the entire first season, but I didn't love it. I couldn't bring myself to be like excited about watching it every week. I talked about it on this show again. I thought it was cheesy. I just thought it was kind of the material was a little bit beneath some of the actors that were on the show, mostly Marsha Gay Harden, um, but it wasn't as gritty as I thought it was going to be. Um, it still had just some of those kind of like cheesy romantic dynamics and 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 some very familiar uh, character backgrounds uh, on this show. Code Black was renewed, though, for a second season. So I'm going to count it as a win in my column. Even if it's not the greatest show of all time, it's not the worst, and it was renewed. The fourth show I picked was Flesh and Bone on Showtime. This show ended, but it was a miniseries, so it was supposed to end. Uh, the ratings for the show at the end of the day, 61% score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 52 score on Metacritic. Those are very mixed reviews, but I'm going to count it as a win, and sue me if you don't agree. Amazon's Hand of God, starring Ron Perlman. Now, I'll be honest, I did not get around to watching this show yet, uh, but I can, I, I certainly uh, may give it a spin now that I know it'll be back for a second season. I just thought it looked... It was an interesting premise for a show, and it was a guy that I do enjoy watching. He's just intense. Hand of God was renewed for a second season. So, once again, counting that as a win. 
On CBS, I picked out Life in Pieces as a show that I thought looked interesting before I'd ever seen an episode of it. And this was a show that I really liked. I reviewed it here as well and talked about how I thought it was very funny. It uh, had kind of some more edgy humor than you would normally hear on CBS. has a fantastic cast and just some really funny actors that I had not seen before uh, working on this show. So Life in Pieces was renewed for a second season. Another win in the win column. Netflix's Master of None was another one that I picked in my 10 shows that looked interesting uh, that were premiering last fall. It was renewed for a second season, and I reviewed that show again on this uh, show in a previous episode and talked about how I liked it, didn't love it. I thought it could go somewhere really interesting, but the first season was just a little bit aimless. And I think they were still trying to figure out what kind of a show they really want to be, what what things do they want to focus on in life, because you can't cover it all. But Master of None was renewed, so another win for me. Moonbeam City on Comedy Central. I didn't get around to watching it, and apparently neither did anyone else. It was canceled by Comedy Central after one season, so I guess I'm going to have to take a second loss. ABC's Quantico, I thought looked interesting. A show with, God, a lot of just really sexy people. You want to see sexy people? Watch Quantico, especially Priyanka Chopra. She might be the most gorgeous woman on television right now. Um, and I don't care who else you want to pair up against her. I think I think she wins it hands down. But I didn't love that show again. Thought it was a little bit cheesy. But I did appreciate the premise of it and the storytelling. And it kind of had that Shonda Rhimesy thing going on, even though it's not one of her shows. So I give Quantico some credit. And uh, it was picked up for a second season. So I'll count it as a win. And finally, another show I reviewed in a previous episode of The Stream Police, Fox's Scream Queens. This show uh, I liked, again, didn't love. I think it could get really good if they pick a very good setting for the show, if they cut down the number of episodes. Uh, Scream Queens was renewed for a second season. So, once again, I'm going to count it as a win. My final score, 8 for 10, I went of my 10 shows last fall. So I think I set the bar for myself pretty high there. That's a solid B grade. That's about as good as I ever did in school. So I'm going to give myself some credit, a pat on the back, try not to hurt my elbow while I do it. And uh, coming up in a future episode here in uh, the coming weeks, I will be picking out 10 more new shows that will be airing this fall uh, that I think look interesting again. If you watched any of those new shows, I'd love to know what you thought about them. Uh, give me uh, give me an email, dclintdavis at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mr. Clint Davis. All right, finally here, let's talk about some things on the big screen in theaters right now. A movie written and directed by Shane Black, who brought us the Lethal Weapon, uh, the characters from Lethal Weapon. He wrote the first one, and uh, I believe he got some credit for writing the second one, even though he quit in the middle of the uh the film because of disagreements. I'm talking about The Nice Guys. This was written and directed by Shane Black, and it stars Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, set in seedy 1970s Los Angeles. If you liked Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you have to see this film. If you liked the costuming and the music in Boogie Nights, you have to see this film. If you like buddy cop movies, you have to see this film. I think this was a good, not great, funny action movie um, along the lines of a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or a Lethal Weapon. Definitely. That's what Shane Black has proven. He's very good at writing and directing. Um, I think that there could be a great movie with these characters and these actors if they turn this into a series, which I hope they do. But this wasn't quite it yet. There were just some like political things in it that felt very forced and, uh, and, and were fumbled a little bit, I felt like, and just kind of left me confused. The Nice Guys, though, is funny, and it has some solid action and some solid investigative elements in it. 
Ryan Gosling plays a dishonest, small-time private eye who gets hooked up with a small-time, honest, tough guy uh, for hire, played by Russell Crowe. Uh, They make an interesting pair with each other. They try to track down a young girl who's gotten mixed up in the pornography business in 1970s L.A. This movie's got a ton of good laughs, a lot of cursing, and some fun gunplay as well. The the audience at the screening I was at was really laughing a lot, and I was laughing along with them. It's a a funny—it's just a really—it's a funny movie. Um, it's a well-done, light-hearted action movie. Gosling and Crow are really good together, but the girl who plays Gosling's 13-year-old daughter in the movie steals the entire film. You're the guy who beat up my dad. Hey, no. Sucker punched your dad. Big difference. But don't worry. He just did it for money. <laughs> you beat people up and charge money? Yeah. Sad, isn't it? That's really your job? Yeah. No way. Yeah. So um, how much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? 30 bucks. Oh, 30 bucks. Apple pie. Is she a big girl? She's tall. All right, Super annoying. Apple pie. She's always mean to me. Just eat That's good. This conversation no is over. The girl's name is Angry Rice, and she's a 15-year-old actor from Australia, and she might be the best discovery of 2016 in film. I'm not kidding you. Obviously, we haven't gone through the whole year, but I think she's this year's like Jacob Tremblay. We're going to be seeing Angry Rice around a lot. This girl is so funny and so natural. That's what really blew me away. She's so natural. She delivers comedic lines like she's some kind of 50-year-old nightclub comedy master. So comfortable, so natural natural, so confident. She hangs with these two very solid veteran actors, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. These are not young guys. I mean, these are guys who've been around a while, been in some big-time movies. Uh, Crowe has won an Oscar. I think I think Gosling was nominated for one, didn't win it. Um, if I'm, if I'm uh, mistaken, I apologize. But either way, these are two intimidating actors, and she just hangs with them the entire time. Thankfully, she's in almost every scene of the movie, which really, I think, makes this movie even better. Um, I'm an instant fan of this girl, Angry Rice. I think you're going to be hearing that name a lot more in the coming months and years, at least I hope so. And as I mentioned, writer-director Shane Black, he's a guy that has had kind of an, an interesting, very up-and-down career. When he was, I think he was 24 years old when he sold the script for Lethal Weapon. So that's amazing when you think about that. But then he got, he got caught up and he made a ton of money. He threw a bunch of parties with a bunch of women, um, did a lot of drugs, and his career really just fell out and he became kind of a joke in Hollywood circles. Uh, but he was able to come back with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in the mid-2000s. That's a film that I reviewed at OverdueReview.com if you want to read my full thoughts on it. A movie that I really enjoy, very funny movie. And this one's a lot like it, so you may be able to call him a one-trick pony. And I would probably call him a one-trick pony, but Shane Black is a guy that also wrote and directed Iron Man 3 a few years ago, which was my favorite Iron Man movie. So that kind of tells me that I think there's more than meets the eye to this guy and the things he's able to write. He's certainly very good at writing buddy action movies, but I don't think that's all he's good at. Hell, if he keeps making this movie, though, over and over again, the two guys that don't belong to be paired up together, getting together to solve a crime, shooting some guns, having some laughs, and drinking a lot, I will keep watching it and I will keep laughing at it because he's very good at this. And there's nothing wrong with having a signature thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think in in art, people get knocked for it. But at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as it's good, the, the quality's up and people go and watch it. That's really all that matters in the movie business. I hope this movie gets a sequel and maybe a couple more movies after that because I really do like these two characters, and I thought Crow and Gosling were really funny, really good together. The Nice Guys is in theaters right now.
You want to know who hired me? Yeah. If we can do this the easy way, we can do it the Glenn. hard way. Glenn. What? Lily Glenn. Two ends. Old lady hired me to find her niece on Tuesday. You just gave up your point. I made a discretionary revelation. No, no, you just gave her up. I asked you one simple question. Ba, 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 ba. You gave me all the information. I thought that's what you wanted. Give me your left arm. Huh? Your left arm. Give me your left arm. This one. No. Yeah, come on. No. No. Right, look, when you're talking to your doctor, just tell him you have a spiral fracture of the left radius. No. No. Deep breath. No. Finally, before we uh, say goodbye on this episode of the Stream Police, I want to urge you to go over to OverdueReview.com because I have just written only the ninth five-star perfect review that I've written of any film since March 2013. So we're talking over three years, and I've only written five-star reviews for nine movies. The ninth just hit the website um, in the last couple weeks. And it is for the great film Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, one of the most masculine, I'm sorry, ladies, movies ever. Uh, but I think there's something for everybody there, especially, again, if you love acting, you got to give this one a watch. Go and uh, click to my review at OverdueReview.com and track down a copy of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross right now because uh, it's just it's a masterpiece in every way. When you think of David Mamet, that's the film, that's the dialogue. That's the play that people are talking about when they talk about the language of David Mamet. And I think it's the last great performance of Al Pacino's career. He was good in, in uh, Any Given Sunday, which came out a few years later. But I don't think, he, I don't think the performance in Any Given Sunday was that good, especially compared to this. this his performance in Glengarry Glen Ross is up there with his stuff in the 70s, which is when Pacino, I think, was the greatest movie actor um, of his generation in the 1970s. So this is the closest he's come to replicating that kind of stuff. I'm talking Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, Godfather 1 and 2, that kind of acting. That's what you're seeing in Glengarry Glen Ross. So check it out at OverdueReview.com. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, asshole? You fucking shit. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt, you idiot? Whoever told you that you could work with men? All right, friends, in future episodes, I'm going to be talking a little bit about movies and shows that are being rebooted for TV next season and the most interesting-looking new shows for the 2016-2017 season. Uh, but uh, as always, urge you to go to the website, send me an email, theclintdavis at gmail.com. Write, uh, write me on Twitter at Mr. Clint Davis. Um, and, and follow us as well at Overdue underscore Review and like us on Facebook to search Overdue Review and you should see it. Thanks again to Andy Sedlak, my partner in crime here, for chipping in. And uh, also thank you very much for, uh, for tuning in. Now go to sleep. Get some sleep. We're walking to the office. I know you've been sitting in your car idling it the whole time trying to hear the thrilling conclusion of the Stream Police podcast. Well, you just heard it, friend. I'm Clint Davis, once again telling you to stream on. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.